Vihan Chalea, thanks for joining me on the Principal Podcast today. How are you doing, man? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Awesome. Likewise, um, we were introduced because I'm friends with your cousin, but you know, more importantly, I did come across your content um, and it seemed like we had a lot in common. And so kind of wanted to have you on the show and just talk to you about a couple things that I've been thinking about myself and some of the conversations that I've had recently. Um, but before we do all that, I wanted to ask you what's, I guess, what's your background? And if you want to introduce anything specific about yourself, please feel free. Sure. Um, well, let's just say uh, a few years, a, a bunch of years ago, I was in, uh, in the corporate world, um, yep. working your, your working your run of the mill corporate job, marketing and the like. And, um, after a few years, you know, with bad management and bad experiences that kind of leave you unfulfilled, I realized that I wanted to make a little bit of a change. And uh, it always itched me. It was always itching, uh, you know, part of me to move into something a little bit more creative and try to do something on my own and figure that part out. Um, but there never was really a roadmap to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, Eventually, I kind of took my time with it, and I moved away from that world, and I started doing a little bit more stuff on my own, um, experimenting. And so I ended up becoming a YouTuber, making a bunch of content on YouTube. Uh, I'm an actor. Uh, I'm a game show host. I DJ. Um, I, I, yeah, I, I do. I, I do a bunch of different things, and um, I, I do corporate speaking gigs as well. You know, talking mm-hmm. about productivity and time management and all the stuff that I have on my YouTube channel as well. So all of these things kind of come together, um, and and uh, utilize, I guess, my skills um, and help me, you know, either entertain or bring value to people, which is uh, much more fulfilling and rewarding to me. And I'm That's happy. Awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, you do quite a bit, which we will talk about, uh, particularly your, your YouTube channel. I think it's very impressive what you're talking about. And I think it's really important for people our age to really be paying attention to a lot of that stuff. But um, what were some of the, first of all, how old were you when you decided maybe this isn't the path for me? And what were some of the pain points that you had with the corporate world? Well, you know, it's, it's kind of something that you realize fairly early on when you when you're not happy at a job but you try to convince yourself that you know there are parts of this that i can find uh rewarding and i i'm going to stick it out because i can there's a day that will come where i will find what i'm doing to be fulfilling or maybe if i get that promotion or if i get that raise then i'll be happier Mm -hmm. and uh, that stuff did happen, you know, a promotion happened here and there, a raise happened, but it never really changed the way that I felt in my relationship towards the work that I was doing. But the main thing that was a constant was, I would say, fear, fear of, you know, making that jump or leaving the comfort of that stable income. Mm-hmm. And, um, over some time, uh, <laughs> and even after a layoff, which was what probably pushed me over the edge, I realized that I forced it your way a little bit. It it did, and that that was, I guess, you know, the hand of God or whatever. But that pushed me, and yep. I, when you're on the other side, you couldn't imagine going back to it. Uh, you know, I I I remember taking a couple of weeks looking for another job when you, when I got laid off and. I thought to myself, do I really want to go back to that life? And the other option that I had was, let me try and 
see if I can do a few things that I want to do or that I would enjoy a little bit more uh, that I would hopefully build into something. Now, that started off with making a bunch of videos on YouTube. And mm -hmm. naturally, with something like that, it doesn't yield immediate uh, you know, money or anything like that. But I found myself um, motivated motivated by the growth that I was seeing on a, on a, on a regular basis. You know, there were, there were a few subscribers at the beginning and there were a few people watching. Um, and it was always exciting when I kept getting more views or I kept getting more subscribers. And that's again, is stuff that you can, you can't really control, but maintaining that sense of motivation and, and, uh, idea of why you're doing it can really help you during that time. And eventually yeah. you will cross over to a, to a point where you, you find your groove, I guess, and uh, things start to become a little bit less of a struggle, mm -hmm. which is kind of where I feel like I'm heading towards now. I'm not completely there yet, but I'm still, it's an ongoing process. It's right, uh, right. yeah. But if I hadn't gone through that, then I wouldn't, be at the point where I'm at right now, I think. Yeah. It's funny that you, that you say, um, obviously, you know, you've, you've had these thoughts in your head for a little while at the point when you were feeling some kind of dissatisfaction and, and, you know, not fulfilled in your current role, whatever it was, the marketing role. Um, it's funny that you say that it was a layoff that kind of pushed you into, into actually jumping, you know, head mm -hmm. first into the content thing. So the first, um, the first guest on the on the show, um, Bill Ekstrom. I don't know if you've had a chance to to listen to that episode, but he always talks about you know he is a master of you know talking about stepping out of your comfort zone, and he's he's kind of drilled down and made it a little more scientific as opposed to you know how everybody it's a very trite advice to say you should step out of your comfort zone. That's where growth happens. But he's kind of um, he's kind of made a formulaic process to that. It's interesting because he actually had a similar experience. Like he was fired and let go, and now he's you know doing awesome things. He's got an organization where he coaches um, business leaders and students, and um, actual you know student athlete coaches too. So he's he's doing great things. But it's it's funny that that prompted it. Yeah, those are some of the the amazing coincidences I would say that are necessary. You know, you at the at the time it can feel like a complete tragedy. You're yeah. worried about how you're going to pay your rent, which is valid it's completely valid how you're going to be able to pay your bills and it's something that i uh have worried about for a long time um and uh it can happen again you know especially when you're in, a, in an entrepreneurial path or you're in something creative there are ebbs and flows of the way that things perform and so you never have consistency that's what you're really trading off is that stability of that job yeah um, which is why that's most valid. people are which is why most people are really afraid of taking that leap is the stability and the concern that you have to deal with thinking about whether you're going to be able to put food on the table the next month. But yeah, you know, yeah. eventually, eventually, like I said, you'll get to a point if you maintain a sense of consistency that you won't have to worry as much. Maybe, maybe it'll become less of a, an issue mm -hmm. um, as you see, you know, growth with what you're doing. Yep. I want to, I want to come back to that point because you, you mentioned fear setting, um, and that was also something that you just alluded to, right? Being fearful of that lack of consistency and reliability of a paycheck. Yeah. Um, so let's definitely revisit that. But I wanted to ask you, what? how did you know? I mean, YouTube, right? Like mm -hmm. you can make videos about anything, working out, cooking, 
reading any like literally any topic you choose yeah. how did you choose i guess what is the niche that you decided to focus on and how did you stumble upon that is that just things that you genuinely enjoy so that's a really great question because this is something that i pride myself in being able to identify for myself because I, I've i always thought that I was somebody who liked to learn as much as I could. And I, I noticed that I was reading a lot of books about how to be more productive and how to uh, focus on your goals or move towards them and live a life with more fulfillment and purpose and things like that. And when I was, you know, doing searches online or looking for videos, I wanted to see videos or listen to stories of people who had been through something similar or were going through similar challenges, quarter life crises or figuring out, you know, how to be happy in your 20s or mm-hmm. knowing whether knowing whether what you're doing is the right thing, whether you're spending your time the right way. Those are things that constantly played on in your mind. And so it's very odd to feel that constant sense of unrest and knowing whether you're right to feel that way. But it's very common, but I didn't see enough people talking about it. And so I just thought to myself that I, I'm going through this. I have a lot to say about it. So I figured that I could probably put this into some form of content and uh, share it out there. And those, those are actually some of the stu- videos that I'm proudest of, you know, the videos where I get to talk about my own experience and the internal tor- turmoil that I would go through, thinking about whether I'm heading down the right path or whether I'm spending my time in the most efficient way. Um, because it's a common, it's a common phenomenon that many people in their twenties feel and go through. Uh, and, um, yes. So those essentially, those are the videos that I wanted to make. I wanted to make videos that I would have found value in and people would derive value out of, you know, because I know that it's at the end of the day, what we can control aside from a lot of other variables that are beyond our control or or is our work ethic and the way that we spend our time. So if I could provide a framework for people to manage their time better and know how to be more productive, then eventually those people, if they follow that, they'd be able to find success with whatever they were doing. Now, not every framework is going to work for everybody. That's why there are a range of videos, there are a range of techniques, and somebody can find something that works for them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There are so many different productivity and time management techniques or ways to find your purpose or other things like that. But maybe something might just spark an idea for somebody. And that's the whole goal. The whole goal is if you're putting out a video, maybe it can make a big difference to one person's life. And you see that in the comments. You see that in the comments when somebody's like, yeah, you know, I needed this today. This is what really helped me. And I'm like, yeah, that's really great. I'm so happy that that this this has given you some kind of roadmap to shape the way that you think or the way that you're going to approach your day. Yeah. And maybe make that shift that you're looking to make, but you don't know how to. Yep. Yeah. I can, I can really appreciate that. Um, that last point that you just made, right. Because like there are frameworks and perspectives and everybody's got some kind of, um, story to tell or some lesson to teach, but not every single lesson is going to be relevant or applicable to, to your life as a viewer, as somebody in the audience, right? Like even in podcasting, right? Like every single conversation I have isn't necessarily going to be something that a particular person wants to hear, but it's finding and listening to the things that really resonate with you with whatever circumstance you find yourself in that those are, those are the ones that really um, stick out to people. Yeah. 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 So, so how do you think of, um, let's go back to, I guess, your, your own frameworks and some of your principles and habits. Like what are some of the things that you, 
have obviously you've done lots of videos on a variety of different frameworks, but what is some that you've actually implemented in your own life? Great question. So this is one that I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really proud of, uh, this concept and how many people have actually taken to this is the, uh, I'm not sure if you've heard of the, uh, the Japanese philosophy of Ikigai. So Ikigai is this, um, is, is essentially a sort of like a Venn diagram, if you will, of a bunch of different bubbles where you find the intersection of things that you're good at, things that you can make money with, things that you are passionate about, and things that bring value to others. And in the intersection of those four quadrants, you can find what is, what is something that you will find purpose with or will truly fulfill you. Because a lot of times we tell people, and this has become um, a little bit of a overused thing to follow your passion, but people don't know how to, you know, it's very easy to say, yeah, you know, do what you're passionate about. And I might be passionate about, I don't know, um, uh, rocket ships, but I don't have the high qualifications to become an astronaut or something or something like that. Um, so I think people need to know that, you know, in order to practically approach what you're passionate about, maybe you have to also consider what you're good at or whether you can make money doing that so that you can continue doing what you're passionate about. Because mm -hmm. oftentimes we don't have uh, the, the blueprint to make money with a lot of these things. And so I think that uh, that concept, the Ikigai concept is, is really, really cool because it really shapes the way that you approach practically uh, how you want to live your life. Because I don't know, I think, you know, la lacking fulfillment with your job, you know, even though you might be making money is very common. People, people are constantly driven by that raise or making more money. And that can't be, that can't be all that life is cut out to be, right? You know, maybe there must be more, maybe there must be making a change in somebody's life that can be really rewarding. If you're working on, let's say you're working on Wall Street, that's great. You know, you're probably making bank, but I'm sure that there are a good percentage of them that feel like they are not really making a difference. But uh, if they consider that a little part of the Ikigai framework, then maybe that might be the missing element that they're looking for. So all I'm saying is that if there is somebody out there that is thinking that there is a, there's a part of their work life that they feel is a little less than, then maybe it's worth exploring this Ikigai framework because you can actually identify whether you are truly being fulfilled. Yeah. It's called Ikigai? Ikigai. I-K-I-G-A-I. -I. Ikigai. Got Ikigai. it. Okay. I'll yeah. definitely have to check that out. That seems really interesting. Um, and like, I don't know if you've read, um, I think it's Cal Newport's book. Deep Work? Not Deep Work. I think it's the other one about how essentially his whole point in the book is that passion or saying follow your passion is kind of overrated. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Correct me if I'm wrong. It might be Deep Work. I'm, I'm not sure if it's in deep work, but my, he's written a bunch. Yeah. But mm -hmm. he's basically saying that passion is overrated and that it takes, you know, obviously there are things that you are inclined towards, but it takes deliberate practice to really develop and hone in on your passion. Right. Cause like, I mean, I even, I even wrote about this a while ago. It's not like everybody wakes up in there like Justin Bieber or Serena Williams or LeBron or whatever. Right. Like a lot of people don't, the vast majority of people I would argue don't have that from such a young age, right? Like yeah. you kind of have to work at finding it, try new things. And then you really have to put the reps in because 100%. Not, you're not just going to be like the best athlete in the world without putting the reps in like everyone. Well, well, this is actually something that I've, um, 
explored a little bit more because as I mentioned, I I've uh, been acting also for a little while and yep. you know, it's, it's something that people would throw around, you know, I want to be an actor. I want to be in movies or things like that, but it, there's a lot of training that goes into it. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of training. There's a lot of diligence with honing your, for lack of a better term, craft. Um, and you can really tell when your, your skill set is not at where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but getting to a point where you're proud of the work that you're doing or people can notice and commend you for it takes time. It takes time and practice and putting in those reps, like you said. Um, and even though, you know, it's it's a common thing that people say that they're passionate about the arts or something like acting. If you have a good work ethic and you're consistent with it and you, you know, you follow the 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 things that you need to do in terms of, you know, trying to find work or building your resume and getting the right representation, things like that, that are within your control, then you can find success. You can find some semblance of success there, but you got to put in the work. Um, And the way to really stay consistent with putting in the work is to like what you're doing and to be good at it. And maybe you might like what you're doing, but you might not be good at it. But in order to become good at it, you need to practice. You need to work at it. You need to become better. Yeah, let's let's unpack that for a second because you strike me as somebody. I mean, obviously, like you've been doing the YouTube thing for so long, and you've been pursuing acting and DJing and all these things. Like you strike me as somebody who's once they figure it out, figure out what it is that they want to focus on, very hyper focused and disciplined. So what what? How do you stay disciplined, and how do you stop yourself from getting discouraged? Right? Like you even alluded to it earlier when you said, you know, when you were first putting out those YouTube videos, it was like you were screaming into an empty room. Right. But Mm -hmm. stuck with it and you're seeing traction and people really resonate with a lot of the things that you're putting out. So what are your kind of techniques for um, staying disciplined and. and Well, you you know, I don't know whether this is me needing a little bit more therapy, but I I feel like I have something that I need to prove to myself and I want to do a little bit more and get a little better at the things that I enjoy. You know, I feel like I'm privileged to be able to um, have a shot at doing th- at doing things that I enjoy. And yep. so I really want to make it worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of am. I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm an immigrant here in the U.S. And so I'm yep. grateful. I'm grateful to be here. And I'm very aware of the opportunities that I have um, by being in America as opposed to some other country. Mm-hmm. And I I really just want to make it count you know? Yeah. And take advantage, take full advantage of it. I love that. Yeah. yeah. And so that, I think it's, it's gratitude and it's, it's, it's a kind of need to, to prove to myself that it, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it right or that I'm worth it. That, yeah. um, that is kind of keeping me going. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 and it might be different for somebody else, you know, somebody else might have a different sense of drive. Uh, the unhealthy, motivation for motivator for a lot of people is needing to prove to other people, mm-hmm. you know, needing to show your friend or your neighbor that, you know, you're better than that person or you're better than them. And that's not something that I care about at all. That's not yeah. something that's, um, that's all noise and it's only just a, a distraction. Uh, but for some reason I feel very happy to be able to do what I'm doing and I want to be able to continue doing it. So that's my driver. I won't because I've also been on the other side where I've been doing things that 
I don't enjoy and I'm not happy with, as I mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. So I will do whatever I can to continue doing the things that I feel like I'm lucky to have found that I enjoy. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you, you and I are very similar in that, in that, in that we find more motivation from negative reinforcement almost rather mm. than positive reinforcement. You know what I mean? I, I, actually, mean I, I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. It obviously when yeah. taken to an extreme, it can be bad, but whatever works. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's kind of just like, you know, you, you kind of play with a chip on your shoulder and that sure. works for a lot of people. And for a lot of people, it would be very demotivating and it would be like some people thrive on words of encouragement and positive reinforcement. And it, it obviously wouldn't work for them. Yeah. Um, I actually had this conversation with, with a, a previous guest and we talked about um, emotional intelligence and how it's hyper, hyper individualized, right? Like you really have to, as a, as a leader, as a manager, you really have to understand personalities because not everybody's going to react well to positive or negative reinforcement. You really mm -hmm. need to know um, mm -hmm. who you're dealing with. Yeah, I was reading, um, I read Reed Hastings' book, the, uh -huh. uh, the CEO of Netflix, and yeah. how Netflix has a unique management culture. And even though... It, it's very, very subjective management styles and how you treat people and what motivates them and keeps them inspired to do the work that they do. Mm -hmm. But it was, it was, it was unique just the way that they give constant feedback and they make people at the company. It's what they call sunshining. So sunshining is when somebody has a failure or they, wow. they, they approach a project and it goes bust. But then what they have to do is they have to, um, sort of put it on blast and tell people the failure that they made so that everybody knows and then they won't repeat it. And I might think that, yeah, okay, fine. From a top-down perspective, that can be good so your company knows not to make that mistake. But on the individual level, that's got to freak you out a little bit, you know, because you're highlighting your flaws. Dude, I can see the LinkedIn post already about how yeah. this is terrible for – I'm going to get – roasted for this but this is terrible for mental health and all these things but i actually think that's that's kind of hilarious i recommend that, that i recommend that book yeah i recommend that book it's called uh it's called no rules rules no uh, rules rules okay. yeah it's 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 the it's the netflix culture book essentially yeah. did, did he write it himself or he, he wrote it with a with a with a, a fellow author somebody who helped him write it gotcha Okay. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Can uh, I, let me ask you, um, what, uh, what made you start the podcast? Why, why do you want to start the podcast? So very similar to you. Yeah. Um, I, I guess I was kind of looking for a creative outlet for a while. Yeah. Like I had, I had, you know, when the pandemic first hit, I had a lot of time to think. Right. And so like, I, I this was back in 2020. Um, so I started writing about economics finance, investing, that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of, you know, that was awesome. And, and I really enjoyed it for a while, but I also didn't feel like, like I felt like I was kind of putting myself in a box a little bit, right? Because okay. I didn't, you know, I, I certainly enjoyed that stuff, but that wasn't all that I wanted to talk about. I feel like there was so much self-development and philosophy that I really enjoyed. Like that's mm -hmm. literally all I read and all I podcast, um, all the podcasts that I listen to. Yeah. Um, so like, like even I was going to tell you this earlier, like I, I tried to read like um, fiction books, but I just, I can't, like, I just, I feel like there's such a, like, I, I'll get like 20, 30 pages in and I just feel like there's such a lack of interest. Dude, you're um, just like me. Probably a flaw. <laughs> you're just like, like me. It's the same. Yeah. Yeah. Which is probably a flaw in myself. Um, but maybe I'll get there at some point, but like, I really just enjoy reading like 
about science, health, um, mm -hmm. philosophy, self-development, all these things. So I was like, maybe there's a way that I can kind of share the things that I'm learning about um, with the world. And so like I started with the five principles and I, those are, those are five things that I've always, um, I guess through my lifetime, I've, I've, um, have really resonated with me. And those are, those are things that I thought I would, I should share into the world so that people have a sense of who they're actually listening right. to. I, I saw that. I saw that. That's the delayed gratification and a bunch of other things, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and then, you know, just finding interesting people to talk to like yourself, where I feel like I can, I can take nuggets away from them and also share them with the world because I genuinely believe, and this is like the kind of the theme of the podcast is that everybody has something to teach you. Well, I think you're creating quality stuff. So I, I think, uh, it's, I'm definitely in the wheelhouse for your audience, uh, in terms of listening, like this is something that I would totally listen to. Yeah. So, um, I'm glad to be here just talking to you. And I think that, uh, uh, I, I've I've seen some of your other episodes also, so the subject matters that you're covering are pretty cool. Also, awesome man, I really appreciate it. Yeah. And coming from somebody who produces similar content, um, yeah. albeit in a different kind of medium, um, I, I really appreciate that. I wanted to ask you: Do you spend a lot of time alone, or are you kind of more of like a social butterfly? Like, as in, as some from my perspective, you know, knowing that you're an actor and you're on YouTube, I imagine that like you're the most extroverted person in the world, but is that necessarily the case? Well, I I like to spend time with people. I like my friends. I like uh, being able to mingle, get to know new people as much as I can. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I also need to find time for myself. I need to, you know, if I feel like there, my, my time could be used towards... Uh, something that is pending, then I can't really be present. And yeah. my whole goal is to be present with whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. So we were talking before we actually started recording that I had taken a couple of days off and taken a vacation. And uh, I hadn't taken a vacation in a while. And I, because I was constantly, you know, worried about not being able to just be there. If I was spending the time, spending the money to go on a, go on a vacation, I wanted to make it count. And uh, spend that time. So I told myself before I went on that vacation that I wanted to be there with my friend, be there with my buddy, be present, uh, and not think about work, which can be hard for me. Mm -hmm. So, um, with whatever I'm doing, I like to be just really focused on my company, whoever, whoever I'm with, uh, if I can afford it. And so that's what I try to do. So I like to spend time with people as much as I can. That's what I prefer to do. But somehow or the other, if there's something pending in terms of work or something that I need to do, it can be a distraction. Yeah. And that's something I'm, tr I'm trying to get better at managing. Yep. You can you can clearly tell that I'm a work in progress with how I'm trying to manage my mental bandwidth and and uh, my focus on whatever I'm doing with my if I'm out there with friends or mingling with new people. But Typically, if there's a lot of work pending, I, I I can't focus, but I'm learning how to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that's also like a testament to you actually enjoying some of the stuff you're doing, right? Like it, it's clearly, I mean, you wouldn't be, you wouldn't be able to force your, yourself to spend so much time on creating content, editing videos, um, you know, sharing your stuff on TikTok or doing. Oh, and, and, like and believe me, believe me when I tell you that it can be arduous, you know, the whole process of scripting and then filming and setting up and, and editing, it takes, it takes a lot of time. Yeah. So there are lots of people who drop out after a while 
And the one thing that I told myself when I started the YouTube channel was I can't control how many people are going to watch it. I can't control if people subscribe or if they like it or if that's going to re- if what I'm making is going to resonate with them. But what I can control is how how often I show up, yep. uh, how much effort I put into my work. So the one thing I told myself was that I'm going to, no matter what, make a video at the very least, you know, once a couple weeks. Yeah. You know, because life gets in the way and I've been making videos for about, you know, close to three years now. And I've shown up every, every, every single week and every now and then every couple of weeks. So that was the one thing that I can control. And, and I think that it's paying dividends yeah. over the long run. Absolutely. Uh, at the beginning, you know, because YouTube is structured in a way where you don't see any monetization for a little while until you get so many subscribers or so many hours and things like that. But that was not my driver. My driver was to just... I wanted to hit 50 videos initially because I wanted to see if I could get better from video number one to video number 50. Mm. And if I look back, I can see the difference in the way that it's lit because I've upgraded my equipment or the way that I'm speaking and communicating to the camera Mm. or uh, the way the camera is positioned or the way I've edited it. Um, And those things are getting significantly better than once I hit 50. uh, I wanted to see how I'd be when I got to 100. And that was also another difference. That was a yeah. huge difference that I saw. I'm sure. So that was the thing that that was the thing that kept me going. Is I I didn't care if people subscribed. I just wanted to show myself that I could get to a hundred. And I think that a lot of people could benefit from a strategy like that. Is controlling yeah. what you can control. That's basic, I guess. Stoicism one hundred and one is controlling what you want to, what you can control, and not worrying about the rest. Um, because it's helped me it's helped me make it past a lot of hurdles or I can't tell you, bro, how many times I have a video and I put, I feel like I put an effort into it and nobody watches it. And I tell my, I tell my family or whoever that I'm going to quit. I'm not going to make another one because yeah. it's not worth it. Uh-huh. But that's just, that's just momentary. You know, it's a day where I just feel like it's not worth it having put in so much effort and nobody's watching. Um, but then I, I have a, But then I'll wake up the next day and I'll just go back to it because I want to hit my next video milestone in terms of the number of videos that I wanted to make. Yeah, it's kind of like that. There's that, um, you know, there's that internal motivation, right? It's just part of the game. Like it's part of the process. You, if you just, if you stop putting the reps in, you're not going to get any better. And there's going to be, yeah, there's definitely going to be duds, right? Like you work your ass off, and sometimes it's going to be a dud, and sometimes it'll, it'll really resonate, but. Again, yeah, that's why that's why it's that's why it's so important to fall in love with the process and to really like what you do, which is why when you asked me how I stay motivated earlier on, I said that I felt lucky about having found something, found a bunch of things that I like. And that's a win, you know, no matter how it shapes out, as long as you can continue doing what you like to do, it's not really going it will be work, it will be hard. Um, it will take a lot of time, but it's not going to be as harrowing or as soul sucking as putting in those hours towards doing something you don't like. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the main difference. And it takes a lot of foresight to be able to say, you know what, like this, I'm not going to see the the rewards of this for, I mean, delayed gratification, right? Like I'm not going to see the rewards of this for who knows I may never, but I still have mm-hmm. something that drives me internally. Um, to, to keep going and keep putting this stuff out. So really respect that yeah. mindset. Yeah. Uh, thank you. I, I think that, you know, I, that you're right that even if it does go bust and if I, if it doesn't become something long-term, 
you can try something else. Yeah. You can find something else, pivot. That's really what business is, is just trying a bunch of the things. If it doesn't work out, you pivot or adapt or restart. And uh, eventually, hopefully something will hit. Exactly. So Iteration. Yeah. Um, I'm also sure that, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, but I'm also sure that you doing the YouTube thing and like putting those reps in over 50, 100 videos and, and like getting better and better each week has really translated to your acting career. Yes. Yes, it has. So uh, one of my one of my jobs is a uh, host on a game show. Yep. It's a mobile it's a mobile app where I host the game Bingo. So you know Bingo five in a row and stuff like that. So yep. uh, they have a pretty big audience and they have a live game show host. And I think over time, because of the videos that I was making, I really sharpened my skills of connecting to a camera, connecting to the audience, improving. Um, things that a lot of people learn on the job. So when I showed up on day one, I was a lot better than I would have been if I hadn't been doing the YouTube stuff. There are lots of uh, hosting or acting jobs that I have gotten because I have that skill set. Mm-hmm. And I know you I know you may want to talk about uh, you may want to talk about Meg Jay's book later on, but uh, it's really just about building that th- that skill set that makes you more capable of doing the job better. And yes, so even though I wouldn't have predicted it when I started the channel, somehow it's given me um, the ability to be better at a job that is now bigger than that, even, you know? Yeah, and like, how are you supposed to know that you doing the bingo thing and getting better Mm -hmm. impromptu kind of responses um, would have led to so many opportunities and and opening doors, right? Like you can't, you could never know. You could never know. Your only, your only North star is just continuing to try to do what you like and build those skills. Like I said, you know, trying to become good at what you're doing and putting in those reps and then eventually doors will open and it might not be the door that you expected or the exact one that you hoped for, but some version of it. And, uh, you'll be kind of grateful that you did that thing or stuck it out or built those skills. Uh, which is which is good so far. So far, so good. We'll see. Awesome. I think it's I think it's gonna keep paying off. Um, how did you How did you start doing this bingo thing? How the hell does that happen? So that's that's your classic, um, you know, Hollywood process where you audition okay. for a thing and yeah. and uh, they weigh you against what they want and uh, they they test you on a bunch of different skills, see your capabilities. Um, at the same time, you know, even before that, even before this job opened up, I had done some improv classes. I learned some skills over there. So, uh, sorry, forgive my ignorance here. Walk me through this like I'm a three-year-old kid because I have sure yeah. like this is this is like a completely foreign world to me. So, how, how does this, how does this take place? Like, how do where do you so 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 in in the world of hosting and improv, yep. um, where there's where a lot of things are off the cuff and. Um, nuts and unscripted uh, much of it comes down to personality and being quick on your feet yep. uh, because you're not really adhering to a script like acting is where you learn the lines you get into character and you do the job hosting is a little different where you learn to bring your personality to the surface and you learn to be able to improv in a way that is entertaining or clever and that's something that you can get training for, which is what a lot of people who are acting or trying to be entertainers do. Mm-hmm. So I did it just as 
as a way to build up my skill set early on, not knowing that it would result into the job that I have now. Uh, and it kind of gave me an edge, and which is maybe if I didn't have that skill set or sharpened it or got that training, then maybe I wouldn't have gotten the job. Because as you know, Hollywood can be very, very competitive. There are so many people. Everybody's there chomping at the bits to get that next gig or oh, yeah. get that job. So whatever, you never know. So whatever skill you can gain or whatever training you can go through, you never know when it might give you an edge over somebody else and get you that job that will, you know, keep you going and, and do keep it going for a little while. Um, but yes, I know. Thanks for bringing that to my attention. I know I, I, I talk about it like everybody knows what it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we definitely, uh, it's definitely a little bit of a, you know, of a different world for us over here in, uh, in the, in the Northeast. So one of the one of the big things that really drew me towards your channel was I had just finished reading Meg Jay's book, The Defining Decade. Um, it was recommended to me by someone I literally bumped into at the airport and we started talking and she was like, hey, you should check this book out. Um, and I actually really enjoyed it. I thought it was like a fresh perspective because I'm so used to hearing and like, I don't know, you tell me if you agree here, but I'm so used to hearing you know, old, you got time, you've got time, time is on your side, things will work out, don't stress, just enjoy yourself, all of these things. And it's like, I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that everybody should feel stressed out every single day. That's no way to live. But you kind of got to take it seriously at some point. Right? Well, I think that what she's offering is a perspective. Yeah, it is not the perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the way that she talks about the defining decade is that your 20s are a uh, crucial time that people don't take as seriously as they maybe should because you have a growth spurt in terms of your learning. Your brain is able to retain a lot more information that you that will last you for decades and shape you uh, going forward. That's what, hence the defining decade. And what we the way that a lot of people typically approach their 20s is, yeah, you know, that we got a lot of time, yeah. which, is, which is, which is, which which is which is which is understandable because life is long and you have plenty of room to make mistakes. But I, I I think that I hope that a lot of people do not take from that book what I fear, which is that you need to put that pressure on yourself and turn up the heat and figure shit out. Um, because I think what she's trying to suggest is that maybe maybe try to learn a little bit more, maybe be a little bit more curious about what you like and what you don't like about skills that you think would help you in your life. Mm -hmm. um, try to build experiences. Part of what she also says is building meaningful relationships. And how do you build that? You build that by having fun, by creating bonds with people through shared experiences. Um, and that can only be done spontaneously, typically when you're, when you're creating those experiences with people. So I don't think, you know, one should completely sacrifice, uh, leisure or having fun for investing in the S&P 500, yeah. you know, <laughs> but I, I think that, you know, maybe it's, it would be advisable to take some time to learn, learn about investing, learn about money, which we do not learn in school at all, which is shameful. We should learn more about how to manage money. We should learn about, um, learn that there is more stuff out there than just what you could get a degree for in college. Uh, those are the kinds of things that people can open their mind to and take 
take your 20s to build those skill set, build, build that skill set and that identity capital, mm-hmm. which is what she talks about, that identity capital in terms of those experiences that may not even work out, but will still move you closer towards um, that point where you want to go, but you may not have identified yet. Yeah. I think that there was like, I, I definitely agree with your general takeaway, right? Like, I think it's, it's a perspective, not the end all be all. Um, and there was a lot that I liked about the book. Like there was identity capital. There was the point about how your weak ties are, are the ones that'll really promote the most growth within you. Right? Sure. Because it's, it's like your Mutual closer friends. circles are always going to have perspectives that generally agree with you, but Similar, your ties, yeah. your, your colleagues or your acquaintances are the ones that can kind of like pull you to see things from a different direction. Right. So I thought that was mm-hmm. a really good point um, that I haven't thought about before. But then I also thought that there were some parts of the book that I didn't really agree with, right? Like, I felt like she kind of dismissed or discouraged entrepreneurship a little bit in this book because she kind of encouraged people to, like, make a decision and stick with, like, stick through a job, right? And, like, there is definitely merit to that because you have to struggle to be on the other side of it. But, like, I guess she kind of didn't really, and maybe this was just a point that she didn't feel that she needed to touch on, but like, I guess she didn't really talk a lot about tinkering and experimenting and just, and just trying things on your own without, and like challenging conventional um, norms, right? Like whereby people, a lot of times people think that you need to do something for 20 years before you can go off and try to do it on your own, right? Like, I I feel like she didn't really um, touch on that. She She had a little bit of a removed perspective, seeing as millennials don't have focus and the ability to withstand hardship. So she thought that millennials or Gen Zers drop their job, uh, as soon as they can, if they notice that something's not going their way. I think that's what she was trying to address maybe. Yep. Yep. Um, but yes, I think that uh, that's slightly unfair because people do need to constantly try. That's the only way to find out what's best suited for you. Um, but the one thing that, there, you know, that's the thing with all of these self-help books is not everything is going to be for everybody. You're going to find some nugget that will be suitable for you and you will find some inspiration with. So one of the things that she said is maybe don't spend your time doing jobs that simply get you minimum wage or just help you pay that bill, but maybe try and find something that is sort of related to what you think you might want to do Mm -hmm. so that you can get a little bit of insight. That's why we have internships. That's why we have internships when we get out of college in, in an industry where we want to be. Uh, particularly in the entertainment industry, I can speak for that is I, it's really hard to break in, you know, if you're working, trying to work in the corporate side or whatever, getting internships help you build those relationships. It helps you see what it's like on the inside. And those are the skills that uh, you can acquire while, you know, I don't think the money is really good at all, Mm -hmm. but it's more than anything, they sell you on the skills and the network that you build. Yeah. uh, Which is essentially what she's trying to say in the book. And, um, yeah, I mean, I kind of support that. I kind of support spending your time towards not just focusing on where you can try and make money, but try and incorporate some way where you can maybe decipher whether the thing that you want to do is truly suited for you or, okay, like, let me give you an example. Um, in the entertainment, I knew that I wanted to be in the entertainment industry before I, before I was an actor, before any of that, I wanted to be in the corporate side, which is why I did all of that. And then, sorry, um, not to interrupt, but was your first job in the entertainment industry or was it more of like a standard marketing job? No, it was, it was entertainment marketing. Okay. Understood. Got it. Yeah. So, so I, so I moved to LA because I wanted to be in the entertainment industry, but I thought that I wanted to be working 
inside the movie studios on the corporate side, as opposed to in front of the camera on the creative side, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, but I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do uh, on the corporate side, whether that was marketing or whether it was distribution or whether it was some kind of advertising element or but I, but the only way to find out was by getting closer to it yep. and realizing. And so even though I did a bunch of those different internships, I found what suited me best at the time. And then over time, I realized what, when I ended up and I landed on marketing, as I kept doing it over a few years, I realized that, no, this is not what it's cut out to be. And sometimes these things can take a little longer. You know, it can take you a couple of years or a year to realize um, and that's, that's kind of what helped me get to where I'm at right now is a bunch of trial and error. Yeah. You know, not what she says, which is just sticking it out. Yeah. So it's in fact the opposite. And that's exactly the point that I was trying to make. I should have said it in a more concise way, but like, there is so much value in just trying it, just putting yourself out there and just trying to do something because I feel like you learn so much more when it's trial by fire, as opposed to being like, okay. Um, here's somebody who is a master SEO marketer. Like, let me go try to shadow him or her and, and learn from them and learn their techniques. Like, sure, that'll work. And, and that's kind of more of what she's arguing in her book. But there's also like, there's so many resources available to you, right? Like if you are genuinely interested in something, just try to do it and you'll, you're going to fail miserably and fall flat on your face a few times. But like, that's the best way. No, ex experimentation is the best. Yeah. And besides, I don't even, I view it as, a lack of other options. Like what else are you going to do aside from trying things and experimenting? How else are you going to find out what your, I guess, calling is or what you enjoy? Yeah. Uh, without trying stuff, you can't just, oh, okay, look at the, look at the, uh, look at the list of jobs and pick one. That's not how it works in, yeah. in real life. Roll the dice. Yeah. Yeah. So how, what does networking look like in your industry in terms of like, obviously, you know, you realized pretty early on that you didn't want to be on the corporate side. You wanted to be in front of the camera, which is yeah. hyper, hyper competitive, right? What is that? What does that kind of networking and, and that look like? And how did you break into um, that side of the business? So, so networking on my, is very unique when you're on the, in the acting world, because it really depends on the jobs that you get. Mm -hmm which are often not even in your control when you're auditioning for a role or things like that. There are so many different levels that have to sign off on you, whether it's the guys in the casting department or it's the producers of a movie or it's the director or it's somebody else or it's your, or it's your chemistry with the other person that they've cast. So many different variables are there. So networking um, with regard to that is the job that you get and the relationships that you build while you're on that job which can eventually, and you'll never be able to predict this, uh, which will eventually hopefully lead you to other gigs, mm -hmm. as it has in my case. You know, I, I, got a, I got a role in a feature film that will be out later this year. Oh, but, yeah. be, but being, thank you, but being on, that, being on that project helped me get another job on another short film. Yeah. And so that's really cool. You know, I, I, it, it, it helped me circumvent the process of auditioning because they saw my work and they liked my technique or whatever. Um, and that's what networking is. And as you get more and more jobs and more and more roles uh, as an actor, you tend to build more and more relationships and people get to see your work, which will really speak for itself. Because essentially at the end of the day, in, in my industry, all, all people want is they want 
uh, a solution to their problem. And if they're looking for somebody to fill a role or if they're looking for an actor, they just want to know that the person can do the job and they want them to know that they can do it well. Uh, and that typically happens, that typically is known by your previous work and somebody who can vouch for you. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more of that putting yourself out there, the serendipitous luck, kind of yeah. finding people who might need your skills at yeah. some point. Yeah. Which is which is a lot different from what I did earlier when when I was working in the corporate world is you gotta go to mixers, you know, or you gotta go to yeah. after party yeah. events or oh, man. or things like that. Yeah. And 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 going up to somebody with your business card even or um introducing them as introducing yourself as somebody who's driven and wants to do the work and is capable. Um, so yeah, I've done that too. So that's very it's very different. Very different. Completely yeah. different worlds almost. Um, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the feature film? What's what's that project look like? And sure, so, released. Sure, thank you. So I'm I'm really really excited. So I got cast as the as the lead in a feature film, um, which will be out later this year. And we're in the process of, um, you know, film festival runs and 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 selling it to distributors and all of that. So um, we'll figure that. Out. But the movie is a it's a time travel film where. Uh, I'm the lead in it, and I play a sort of MIT dropout, and wow, uh, and everybody and everybody is kind of lost faith in me, including my parents, my girlfriend, and everybody. And the 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 interesting thing is that I'm actually a genius who has invented a time machine. And the movie starts when the time machine that I've built uh, starts working. And somebody from the future lands in the time machine mm. and tries to stop me from using it because it messes with the way that time is supposed to flow. So it's essentially like an adventure. Uh, it's an adventure mystery. Yeah. And I'm really pr and I'm really proud of it because as a South Asian guy, as an Indian guy, being able to uh, perform in a role that is seemingly colorblind and being able to lead an adventure story that doesn't really have to do with my background um, is really, really cool. You know, I, one of my driving forces is being able to tell stories and be in projects where I'm not limited by my, by, by the way that I look mm -hmm. uh, of course, influenced by, but not restricted by it. Um, and that's my whole goal is I want to be part of changing the way that the industry looks at people who are like me. Yeah. And you're leading that charge on the front lines too. That's awesome, man. I was, I can't help Thank myself you, because I was the first thing you, when you said MIT dropout, I was like, of course they casted a South Asian guy to do that. That's, that's, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited for that. And, um, I'm hoping that, uh, I'm hoping that it does well. You know, m much of this is always up in the air. You never know who's going to pick something up. You never know if the if an audience is going to take to it. Uh, all you can do is create something good, and I think that we've we've done something pretty good, and I'm proud of it. So we'll see. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. When? When? Sorry, you might have mentioned when will that? Be? There's no there, there's no date. No, no there's nothing yet. But uh, we're in the process of selling it and going through the festival run, which is. A typical process for an independent film sure um where you're not really sure what's going to happen all you know is that you have the project and after that when when a few people see it within you know closed when closed rooms and things like that and somebody purchases it then we'll have a date and a platform or things like that got it got it okay again forgive my ignorance there no no <laughs> best of luck that's that's all that's exciting thank you yeah um you seem to be you mentioned reed hastings's book earlier mm -hmm. uh netflix guy 
you seem to be a pretty avid reader. What are the three top books that you've read recently and, and we highly, highly recommend to the audience to read? Well, you know, what's funny is I, I'm not a very good reader because I don't, I'm not able to really follow along when I read. Yep. So what I do is I have audiobooks. I have the, the greatest audible subscription where I'm able to listen to my books on 1.5 X, yeah. 1.5 speed and just get through them. That's the way that I can read my books because the whole idea when you're reading nonfiction is to absorb the information. Yeah. Um, and you would, you would know that. So, uh, yes. So I, I, I do a lot of audiobooks. I guess, um, some of my favorite stuff. I love the, um, I also, I have a book club actually on my website, um, where people can see a bunch of books that I recommend, but, uh, here's a book that I, I recommend for small entrepreneurs, uh, who are looking to start a business of some kind mm -hmm. because, because they feel like the odds are stacked against them in terms of finances or resources or anything like that. The $100 startup the $100 is a really good startup. Book. The $100 startup is, is a really cool book. It's very easy to digest. Um, that's one book for entrepreneurs. Uh, one of my, one of the, one of my favorite books of all time, the one that really helps any creative or entrepreneur, anybody who's trying to do something, that is a little unconventional sure. is, uh, is, um, I want to get this right. It's not, it's the war of art. It's the war of art by the, by Stephen Pressfield. Yep. That is a fantastic book. I really recommend that a hundred percent to anybody, even if you're not a creative entrepreneur, just knowing that if you're trying to do something a little different or not status quo, mm -hmm. that in your own head, we tend to build things up. Uh, he has this concept called resistance um, and resistance is everything that we tell ourselves uh, that will not work out with what we want to do. You know, either the business that we're trying to build is not going to get enough funding or not enough people are going to be interested in the product. Or if you're creating something that is not going to be good enough for the, you know, for the market, sure. uh, that's, that's the resistance that we build up in our head so that we don't end up doing it at all. Um, and if you can get past that resistance, you will do it and then let the market decide. Um, I love that book. So I recommend that. That's The War of Art by Stephen Pressfield. I've heard a lot about that book. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard. Really solid book. Very, very. And, 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 I'm, and these ones that I'm recommending are very easily digestible, very small and simple. Mm -hmm. But they've got good concepts in there. Um, and uh, let's see. A third book. Um, habits, atomic habits, atomic ha James clear, James clear is atomic habits. Yep. Um, I mean, I, I, what else can I say about the book? That's not already been said online, but that kind of speaks for itself at this point. Yeah. That's, right. that's the ultimate, that's the ultimate book that, that kind of shapes modern productivity and habit building because, you know, so many times the way that we approach our lives, whether it's fitness or our work is designed by the way that we, how, how we approach our habits yeah. and atomic habits can really give you so many different ways to, 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 to approach your day and build routines or, you know, view the way that you approach long-term skills that you want to build. And atomic habits is a solid book by James Clear. Have you done a video on that one? I've done a bunch, actually. I have one, I have, one coming out 
in a couple of weeks, but there are so many different concepts. So I've done a bunch of videos on a few of his concepts sure. that I've built into full videos. Uh, one of the things is called the two minute rule. Two minute. So yeah. So let's just say uh, as an example of the two minute rule, let's just say that you, you want to, you want to work out. Okay. You want to get, you want to get into fitness or you want to become healthier. The idea of it is to do a two minute version of whatever that is. You know, so you, maybe you want to do a, a bunch of push-ups, or you want to do a bunch of squats, and that can take you two minutes, as opposed to getting up and going to the gym. And maybe after you do that two-minute version, you'll feel a little bit more into the groove that will keep you going. So if you can just get started, then maybe you'll keep going. Because the hardest part is, you know, getting from your chair to picking up that guitar and practicing. You know, it's it's the distance between you and the guitar. But once you have that guitar on you and, and, you're, and you're strumming, you, you're already playing. Yeah. And so you'll probably keep going for longer than two minutes. Right. You've already kicked off that motion. Yes. Dude, that's an awesome one. I'm actually really glad you said that because I feel like like during my commute every day, which is like 30 minutes, right? Like I feel like I always have like things that I'm thinking about. This is when I'm not listening to a podcast or whatever, like things that I think about and I jot it down in a note. And I feel like if I actually applied that two minute um habit to just writing thing, writing something out for literally 120 seconds i feel like i might yeah. build some momentum to actually write more too so i think that's yeah and, cool. and, and that's that. just and, and and that's just one of the many many th interesting things that he has he has so many different ways that you can approach habits building levels you know you can have versions of a, of a mini habit a medium habit and a large habit you know so maybe you could do you could do um a bunch like 10 push-ups as a mini habit and a medium habit you could go out for a run and then a, a, a proper full habit you could do a full gym session you know so those are levels and you might not be feeling at your top level every single day but maybe you want to do one of the three versions every single day so something is there for everybody you know that you could find yeah and that's why that book's book is an absolute keeper awesome i love it yeah. i've got two two hot takes here i'm gonna throw one out for you um first hot take not a fan of audiobooks. Oh, really? I think I miss so much when I when I'm listening to an audio. Like I feel like I'm always going back thirty seconds, back thirty seconds, just because I mm. I feel like there's an important point and I just completely zoned out for the last two minutes. Yeah. Oh shit. Well, I wasn't focusing. So no, you're yeah, to, you're you're totally you're to, no no you're totally valid. I actually did a video on this on audiobooks versus real books, and I I talked about how one of the problems with audiobooks is that you cannot underline or highlight important things and go back to it if you wanted to right and that's a key thing yeah you know yeah. and so and you're you're absolutely right about spacing out yeah that happens all the time audible does have that feature where you can like clip the last i think like 45 seconds or something but mm -hmm. it's like are you really gonna skip you know, it's not the back same to the part clip it like it's not like you can just highlight but whatever you're right um second hot take probably the best book i've read this year or listened to whatever Will Smith's book. Hmm. Fucking fantastic. I'm going to show you what I'm listening to right now. <laughs> you, will, you will crack up. This is it's Will Smith's book. It's Will Smith's book. Oh, that's fucking awesome. I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, um, I guess this is, this is as good a time as ever to listen to that book and understand what's going on behind behind his eyes yeah in his head yeah man i mean dude he really ru he really ruined it everything kind of went downhill from from the whole incident but yeah really good read it's a really good read i enjoyed it a lot yeah yeah i i think you know there 
it's tricky because there's a lot to be inspired by with stuff that he's done. He's always been an inspirational figure with the way that he has his work ethic and things like that. Massive um, success, work ethic. I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I definitely am inspired by a lot of the stuff that he's done. Um, but it's, it's just a shame. Yeah. What, what happened? Yeah. It'll bounce back. Mm. Uh, happens to everybody. Yeah. Last question for you. What, um, what is your opinion on money as a motivator? Um, so the, the interesting thing about money is that we tend to be very binary about how we view money. You know, it's very easy to say, oh, you know, don't do something just for the money. Mm-hmm. But, but you got to really think about it realistically because money is crucial in life. You really do need money to put a roof over your head to pay those bills, to put food on your table. Those are necessary things. And you do have to find a way to make that money only so that you can have your peace of mind. Once you have peace of mind, you can have clarity to do all the other things that will truly bring you happiness. Uh, Because if you are lacking money or you lack the knowledge of how to make money, then you're constantly going to be stressed about those bills that you have to pay and not be able to focus on the other things that you want to do. So if you want to give yourself, if you want to give yourself a chance at being fulfilled and finding happiness by, you know, finding love or finding passion or, you know, creating memories, if you don't have money, you're not going to be able to focus on that because all you'll be worried about is paying rent. So building those skills and and knowing how to make money somehow is really important Uh, and that's why that's why i said i wish that we learned those things a little bit more in school and i could go a whole lot more into um you know the education system and and why learning about money management is very important and how the schooling system has failed us but that's for another day uh but yes money is important money yes (laughs) i will um, but yes, it is definitely part of it, but it is certainly not everything. Yeah. Um, and, and, and if you are only driven by money, then you're going to realize that there is a big part of you that is just missing. I, I asked that because I, I've kind of been struggling with, with a concept in my mind over the last few months, whereby, you know, on one side, it's like, you want to have, you want to have some cash flow or something to hold you over. So that if you do decide to go off on your own, you're not just like, all right, well, how the hell am I supposed to pay rent now? Right. But then on the other side of that argument is like, well, if your back's not against the wall and you've, if you don't light a fire under your own ass, then you're not going to care enough. So I've been trying to like, I've, I've really been curious to hear people who, who are in the thick of it, like what their takes are on that whole, um, that whole debate. Well, that's something that I'm constantly struggling with. I struggle with knowing that I don't have a stable income, knowing that I have to keep hustling if I'm going to be able to pay rent or be able to save some. Um, and that's important to me. I, I, I do like money. I'm not going to sit here and be holier than thou and tell you, you know, yeah. I'm above that. Yeah. I like money, man. I like nice things. But uh, I also value my freedom. I value my ability to choose how I want to live my life. And if money is what affords you to do that, then that gives money power. And uh, 
and but being able to and in order to take your power back from money is knowing how to make money work for you or learning how to you know either create create side hustles or create some kind of cash flow or mm-hmm. learn how to invest your money uh, all of those things are important to know um and yes, you're right. When your back's up against the wall, you're going to have to work harder. So that's what keeps you working hard. That could that could also influence your work ethic, you know, with whatever you're doing is to know that if you don't work as hard, maybe you're not going to make that money that you need to. Yeah. It seems to me like you you think about that at times, like the lack of consistency and reliability of a, of a salary, but you're also very much happy with finding fulfillment um, doing what you're doing now. Is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't trade it for the world. Like because I'm, I'm in control of the way that I'm living my life. Yeah. Um, and it takes time. Yeah. It takes time. It's not. It's not easy to just j- jump away from your nine to five or whatever and say, okay, uh, I'm going to live life on my terms. You kind of have to make a plan. You have to be patient. You have to put in the work, um, and eventually you'll be able to find some kind of consistency in the way that you know, you're able to have cash flow and continue doing that. But it's really about being productive, managing your time well, and, uh, and a little bit of planning, planning and diligence. That's powerful. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, this was, this was an awesome conversation. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for coming on again. Where can, where can people find your work online and where can people uh, get in touch with you and keep up with the latest Sure. This was uh, this was a lot of fun, bro. I, I I'm gonna be on YouTube at Vianchalaya, uh, and Instagram at Vianchalaya as well. I think that should be all. Cool. I'll link I think, that. I'll make I, sure to link to that in the show notes and everything. And uh, thanks again, man. This was awesome. Looking forward to keeping in touch. And best of luck with the release. Thank you. Thank you so much.